everyone, and welcome to episode 139 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. I am Derek Bittner, and joining me today is Steve Bowling. Howdy. And Tom Arnold. Hello. This is Steve's debut, right? You've never been on the podcast before. That's right. And I'm not Derek Bittner. I'm, <laughs> I'm John Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody noticed. Yeah. So, um, basically, Derek and Ash are at PAX, so they are super busy. Andre is still stuck in the Wii U gamepad. So, it's just left uh, for us with the podcast today. So we've got to try and not ruin it. Um, but, Steve, yeah, this is your first time ever on the podcast. Um, so, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I've been wanting to be on the podcast for a long time, but our schedules have never worked out. So I'm glad that uh, we kind of had this crazy, busy, hectic situation where I get to join. Yeah, it's been a pretty busy week, too. So we've all been super busy. Um, so we apologize this is going to be maybe a day or so late for most people, but hopefully you guys can still get a chance to uh, listen to it with your with your schedules. Um, but yeah, it's been a fun week. Uh, and what, what exactly have you guys been doing over the last week or so? Nothing. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had a fun time doing a uh, Mortal Kombat 11 stream, which... We thought we were only going to get maybe 30, 45 minutes out of, and it ballooned into like this two-hour thing. And it was fun hanging out with all the subscribers and, and, you know, ripping people to pieces or letting them watch me get, you know, the crap knocked out of me. But it was, it was a really good time. Probably my favorite thing I've done this week. Does that actually happen in Mortal Kombat 11? If you die, do you uh, defecate <laughs> not, in real life? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I think, I think they're going to save that for the Switch Pro version. Of course. Okay. <laughs> And uh, I guess a lot of people listening to this might not really know who Steve is. He, he, he of course, does uh, Instant Classic and other um, videos like that. But uh, as a person... So, Steve, I've got a question for you. What is the best animal? It's an otter, John. Oh, nice choice. Okay. <laughs> I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think you can tell a lot about a person from their favorite animal. Like if someone says, like, my favorite animal was the, the hairless sloth, um, <laughs> then... You then they're to, a monster. Yeah, avoid that person. <laughs> what, what about you, Tom? What's your favorite animal? Oh, man. Favorite animal. Off the top of my head, I'm going to go with the quail. Nice. Oh, that's a good choice. A, yeah. <laughs> my, um, mine's probably a bit of a safe choice. I guess Otter is one of them, but Steve's taken it already. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, mine's just a, a safe old dog. I love dogs. dogs but isn't best. an otter just a water dog? Pretty much, yeah. I've, my parents have a chocolate Labrador. Whenever he's in the water, he, he just looks like an otter. Um, that's, why, that's part of why I love him so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week has been pretty busy for news. We've had a lot of Sega stuff going on, and we'll get into the news later. Um, but I found myself playing Final Fantasy VII on the Switch, and it is absolutely nuts that we've gotten to this point. Um, this, this game was like part of the reason that uh, Nintendo lost their third-party support. Like, they all went, they all jumped ship to PlayStation because of the um, differences in storage. And uh, since then, Nintendo never quite uh, got that third-party support back, like, never quite in the same way. Um, so to see Final Fantasy VII on Switch is just a milestone in the, in the history of the industry. Uh, that, and it still holds up. Like, it's still so fun to play. Uh, I, it's been a long time since I just started playing a game at, like, 7 p.m. and stop at 2 p.m. Um, 2 a.m., I mean. But I did that with Final Fantasy VII, and it's, it's, it's still just so fun. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just been great. Uh, have either of you guys been playing Seven as well, or um, have you just kind of skipped out on the Switch version? I've been uh, playing the hell out of it. Nice. Um, 
So I woke up this morning uh, to try to to try to get an early jump on the news for the day with you, John. And uh, we we ended up waiting a bit, and it was about six thirty in the morning my time. So I was like, "Well, I could go back to bed." And I was like, "Or I could just keep playing Final Fantasy on my Switch." Uh-huh. And it's so funny because, I mean, it's it's a twenty one year old game now. Yeah, I think twenty one or twenty two year old game, and it's precisely the kind of thing I did not think I would be excited for. When they announced it, I went through these stages of like gradually hyping up for it to the point where I was so excited, I was literally just waiting for the timer to unlock on the eShop so I, so I could play it. And uh, I did not think that I, I would ever be so hyped for a, a re-release of a decades-old game that I would be actively waiting for the exact second it unlocks as though it were like brand new. Nice. But... Um, yeah, I've been I've been obsessed with it. I'm absolutely in love with this port and it is just this immensely significant thing to see this game specifically on the Switch. Uh, I don't think there is another game that holds quite that level of cultural significance that isn't a first party Nintendo game. Right. Like when Final Fantasy IX came out on Switch, it was cool, but it wasn't like a, a mind blowing revelation. Seven is. Like seven is personal. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a brilliant port, and those speed-up features really uh, move things along. I, I wish all turn-based RPGs had a speed-up feature. Yeah, you know, initially I didn't want to use it, because my memories are of playing it, you know, on, on the PS1, so it didn't have all that. Uh, but once I did use it, I'm like, I don't know that I can go back now. Right. <laughs> like, some of the parts of the game where you're like, oh, I have to walk up six flights of stairs, you're like, oh, that takes like four seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Good. <laughs> but at the same well, time, I... I wouldn't want to experience the game for the first time like that, though. It's it's better for like a, a repeat playthrough thing, I think. Like, for grinding, it's fine. But um, that staircase segment, I think you appreciate uh, the effort you go through more when you don't speed it up. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree that if the, it's your first time, don't use those extra features. But for people like you and I who have played through the game, you know, probably a handful of times now if not more uh, we kind of know the parts that are the fat of the game so to speak where we can just kind of say i'm just going to charge through this and i don't need to take a moment to to take this in uh-huh and um tom you've been pretty busy this week as well like, what, what's been going on with you well i i've been i guess recovering from gdc so that was mostly last week but last week was uh, fairly interesting uh flying down there where we had a Nintendo appointment at noon. So I booked a flight that would have landed at 9.30 and in at San Francisco airport, which you would think would be enough time. But then my flight was delayed more than when it was going to land. Oof. <laughs> but I was like, at least it's not canceled. At least, you know, I'll get there. And I think I ended up at just after one, I arrived, and thankfully it was a four-hour uh, event compared to the one-hour Labo event. So we were actually able to play eight of the ten games there, which was more than last year. Mm-hmm. So having less people there helped. I think it's because there was no, there was nothing quite like a bomb chicken <laughs> or uh, the messenger uh-huh. or just shapes and beats from last year, but. I think Nintendo did that on purpose, kind of, just to put games like Rad, um, Cadence of the, the Necrodancer, and uh, Cuphead was there, but everyone sort of played Cuphead. But to 
sort of announce big titles but have maybe smaller ones or ones that people don't know about playable at the event so they get some love too mm-hmm. yeah um, you... yeah oh go ahead well you can go ahead see about oh, no. to move I, on. I was just gonna say that i i really do enjoy the fact that um and and people outside the industry don't really hear this as much but nintendo does a really great job of highlighting indies at media events too yeah uh, you know those indie directs are fantastic and it's great that they shine a light on some of these bigger indie titles in those. Uh, but at a lot of the invite-only or closed-door events, uh, Nintendo does do a great job of getting you in touch with indie developers and showcasing some of those smaller games that, in some cases, they don't even show in those directs. But they're, they you know, invite them to uh, showcase them to larger media outlets that those indie developers might not have the outreach to get to. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh Every single one usually has a developer of the game, and failing that, uh, it's the publisher. But usually, it's like one to three developers of the game are there. Uh huh. There's um, there's one game that caught my eye a lot. Uh, Katana Zero looks so good. I uh, I hadn't heard of this game before, but I'm following it like crazy now. It it looks so fun. Um, I think we we might have got hands on with it. I can't recall if that's right or not. Um, I believe at this point. So Andre played it a ton. I played it a bit because uh, Andre played it before I was there, being like the best looking game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I think Ash and Derek may have played it at PAX East now. So yeah, a lot of us have played it, but it's coming out pretty soon. It's coming out in April. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that that one, the developer was there, and I asked him, "How long did you take to make this?" And he's like. Six years. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the last few years have been like mostly like filling it in with content. Oh jeez. So um, yeah, it's crazy. People don't think about the fact that these developers with limited resources. I mean, sometimes it's just a one or two person team making these games, mm-hmm. and making an SNES game or or a game that looks like an SNES game by yourself can still take an insane amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, he's got cutscenes where it looks like people are breathing and sort of unique pixel art for cutscenes. So something like that can't be easy to do. Wow. Yeah, it's um, people often think that pixel art's cheap, but a lot of the times it can actually be more, more expensive than actual 3D models. At least animating them um, is very time-consuming and pricey. Um, and uh, if, if you do good pixel art in particular, that can just be... It can look amazing, and it can cost a lot to do. So yeah, don't undermine how uh, how how much of an effort pixel art can be. Um, but Tom, what was your favorite game that you got to play at GDC? Okay, my favorite. I'm gonna say for a party game, it was Sloppy Forgeries. I love that title. Which is the uh, <laughs> it's. Do you remember that Mario Party mini game where you're trying to match a cutout of a character and whoever gets the best. Like the most accurate one wins. Uh-huh. It's kind of like that, but for drawing a classic painting that's been boiled down to six different colors. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so let's say like the scream. You're trying to draw the scream as accurately as possible against someone else in a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I got to about 60%. I found the key was just to use the giant paintbrush tool fill in the whole thing and kind of blob in details and actually getting to more accurate ones was bringing down my score but that's where you can (laughs) overlay a hint for i believe up to three seconds 
to kind of match those finer details. So that's more of a pro level move. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that one, we're like, this should come out on iPad and be online. And it's like, yes, that'd be great. And then later, yes, he's he's already thought about that. That's already happening in the summer. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of the Switch event, uh, Katana Zero, that was the one I had the most fun on, which we kind of talked about already. In terms of just being a game in general, I would say Noita, which was in the IGF like uh, finalists where it's a 2d game where every single pixel is kind of simulated in terms of physics and to me it looked more like a wizard but apparently noita means witch in finnish and you're kind of going around with magic wand and you can ha- shoot different powers but you can let's say you hit a candle and the candle falls down it'll start burning the ground wow and you could be on a small little ledge while it's burning away and then eventually have to make the choice to jump down or jump across because these pixels will start crumbling below you. Huh. Uh, they also had a giant vat of acid that you could break and it would kind of burn everything below it. Uh, if you ever played Pixel Junk Shooter, they kind of had stuff like this, but this is, that's despite having Pixel Junk in the name, was not a pixel-based game. So it's just very impressive and it's made by the guy who did Crayon Physics Deluxe. It's coming to Windows first, but they'll bring it to other platforms later. Cool. That sounds really interesting. We don't usually see impressive. interactive physics in 2D games. That's usually a 3D business. So Yeah. yeah that, and oh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, and to have every single pixel be able to be affected too, where they sort of stay grouped together, but then can crumble is pretty impressive. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and, any other standouts, or is that your, uh, your gist? Um, aside from that, uh, I was really, as Steve knows, looking forward to Void Bastards. Uh-huh. But it's oh, yeah. not a game that you can just sit in on at an expo. There's actually like a, you kind of plan your route on a map to go to different areas and kind of affect your loadout. And then in the game itself, it's actually a s- slower paced game from what I can feel. It's not like Doom in a cell shaded style. So mm. that one... Like, it's going to take more time to play to see if it actually uh, sticks with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, Tom, that's really unfortunate because uh, I think you and I both kind of keyed in on that game around the same time. Yeah. And I, I haven't played it yet, but from the trailers, it looked like kind of a faster, like, fast-paced shooter and it, it with, you know, this great cel-shaded effect to it. Uh, so it looked like something pretty unique and exciting, but hearing that it's kind of a slower, more plotting kind of thing... Uh, it's kind of a downer for me. Like you said, I, it doesn't put me off of trying it, but it does sound like the type of game you need more than just a few minutes with. Yes, it's one that I feel like it's going to take a couple hours to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess finally, I did play Rad because that was at Day of the Devs, even though it wasn't at Nintendo's event. Right. And it does look muddy, but... The audio is extremely polished and blew away anything else I played. (laughs) Uh, I guess you kind of expect that from Double Fine. And I love how wherever you walk, plants grow. Oh, wow. So when you're kind of backtracking, there's no was I here or not. No, I was there because there's plants growing on the ground now in this sort of nuclear... Uh, radioactive wasteland. That's a really cool I thought feature. that was a really neat mechanic. I love that. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, I think that's... So, Rad... 
Yeah, rad, rad plays better than it looks. Sweet. Rad so is pretty rad, you would say? It's radular. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think it's probably time for our news topics of the week then. Um, so there's been a couple of things that came from yesterday, as Sega Fez happened, where they announced a bunch of Sega stuff. And uh, the most exciting thing there, I'd say, was Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games for Nintendo Switch. Um, this is actually one of four Olympic announcements, because there's also going to be uh, the Tokyo 2020 official video game, which is coming to Switch and PS4. There's going to be an arcade game based on Mario and Sonic at the tw uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games tw in 2020 next year, and also a mobile game based on Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, which is a very hard thing to say three times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, uh, this is actually the, the first Mario and Sonic game in three years. They missed out on the last Olympics for some reason, and I kind of assumed the series was dead, to be honest, um, but, but it's here now. Uh, and we've seen a couple of games in there. There's skateboarding, there's javelin, there's badminton. Um, but I think the weirdest thing is Sonic the Hedgehog wears a shirt in this game. Have you guys, have you guys seen the screenshots? It looks so weird. Yep. Yeah. I did see that. Uh, how does he put it on? Surely he can't go over his head. I think he <laughs> jumps in through the neck hole. <laughs> there you go. I think Tom cracked it. There we go. So, yeah, what do you what, what are your like real real reactions to a new Sonic um Marin Sonic game? It's been a long time. Uh, you know, I was honestly really expecting this. Um I don't know if you remember when when it was announced that Tokyo would be hosting the 2020 Olympic Games, but Mario was in the video. Oh right, yeah. And so, I initially just got like, how could you not do a Mario and Sonic game about the one Olympics where they include Mario as part of it? Um so, so I guess, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that they did miss the last Olympics. Uh, to me, it was just kind of a foregone conclusion. So I'm, I've never been a big fan of the Sega Olympic Games. Uh, they just haven't worked for me. So I'm not really all that hyped for this one. I'm weirdly hyped for this one. <laughs> I've, I've never been too into the series, but this one, for some reason, just has me interested. It might be because it's on the Switch, uh, and I guess they can do a lot of stuff there. Like you can have motion control based games, you can have like traditional controller based games. And uh, in their tweet, they say that um, it's going to revolve around the Joy-Con. So I guess there's a lot of potential going on there. And we could have like a fun Wii era party game with this. Uh, and I, I just want to see what all the characters look like as well, because not only are Sonic characters in weird clothing, but so are the Mario characters. Um, so it's just going to be cool to see a bit more personality in the whole crew. Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, and good on them for not necessarily releasing a Mario and Sonic game every Olympics. How many times have we seen a sports franchise where they come out just kind of feels like they just pressed a button and it, it's right. like, boom, coming out again. It's like, we did not need this. The, this is actually worse than last year's. So. Uh huh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if it's, you know, got Joy Con based gameplay or maybe some gyro stuff, I'll, like, I'll give it a shot. Right, and they usually do two versions. I mean, they're doing three versions, but they usually do two versions at once, being the, um, the DS and the Wii version, or the 3DS and the Wii U versions. But this time they're focusing primarily on the Switch and then doing mobile and arcade the, the next year. So I do wonder if the Switch version is going to get what's like handheld exclusive elements. Like um, on 3DS and DS, they had story modes. Um, so I wonder, like, will the Switch also get like a story mode? Like, will, we, will this be like the first time you get a proper adventure mode in a console Mario and Sonic game? Because that could be really cool. Um, that, and I guess you can just do like you can do a lot of stuff with the Switch, really, because there's a touch screen, there's motion controls, there's normal controls. Um, 
yes, it's just going to be a. I think it's just going to be a fun mini game, and uh, the series is like it's probably good for the series to take take a couple of years off, just to um, feel a bit more ambitious again. Because I, I guess every single time there's another Mario and Sonic game, you just kind of go like, oh, another one. You're never really like excited yeah. for them. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this one. Uh, yeah, Sonic's shirt will be like uh, Cappy. It'll actually be an alien that gives Sonic the ability to be in a good 3D game. <laughs> oh god. I love <laughs> oh. that you mentioned Cappy though, because um, Mario and Sonic games have dream events, which take place in, uh, in areas and locations from the Mario and Sonic games. So um, in like Mario and Sonic at the London Olympics, there was a dream event which takes place in, uh, is it Windy Hill? I can't, I can't remember what it's called, the Windy Valley from Sonic Adventure. Um, so I wonder if they're going to have like Mario Odyssey theme levels in those dream events for this one. Because that'd be really cool. Ooh. That would. I imagine I playing Javelin in New Donk City. That's all I want. <laughs> but yeah, uh, apart from Marin Sonic, they also announced the Mega Drive Mini, or the Genesis Mini. And uh, this is coming out September 19th, and will be uh, $80. Oh, sorry, I think it's $70, actually. $70 and feature 40 uh, Mega Drive games being Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, Space Harrier 2, Shining Force, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Toe Jam and Earl, Comic Zone, Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, and Gunstar Heroes. So 30 other games, but that's what we know about so far. Um, what do you think of that line? What, is, that, is that lineup good, or, or what? So, John, I think you were, you were technically right also with $80. I, I do believe there's a second SKU for the Genesis Mini that comes with two controllers for $80. Um, the Mega Drive Mini in Japan has two controllers, um, has two SKUs. But in America and oh. Europe, we're only getting that one SKU with two controllers. Of course we are. Yeah, of course we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so uh, the lineup does not do much for me right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the games we have announced, there's nothing that really stands out to me. And uh, I was mentioning this to a friend earlier, but some of the games just, to me, are straight up not good. Um, and, and I'm quick to point out that Space Harrier 2 is absolute garbage and no one should play it. Oof. You upset like the biggest Space Harrier 2 fan in the, <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, Castlevania Bloodlines is a, is a big one. Um, it's, it's not the most popular game in the series, and I think that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to put like, a, um, like the underdog Castlevania in there. Um, and it is a good game too, so that, that's a fun one to have in there. But you are right. Um, the majority of this lineup is just like an assumption that you expect these games to be in there. Um, like Tom, is, is there a big game in that list that really shouts to you? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, no. Like, it's like, uh, well, Castlevania would be interesting to check out because uh -huh. I missed out on that. But like, it's Sonic the Hedgehog 1, I'm assuming. It's not right. 2. Um, it, they actually announced uh, yeah. two for the Japanese version, but they have not announced it for <laughs> the worldwide well, version yet. Probably coming. <laughs> yeah, it's probably but coming. For me, thinking back to the Genesis and playing it at a friend's house, I would love to see stuff like Earthworm Jam, oh, yeah. Aladdin, NBA Jam, uh, NHL 94, which I think I'm the only one who would want that being Canadian. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that was like the best... NHL. It was so good that after for the twenty year anniversary, EA like kind of re released it. Um, yeah, you know, maybe even something like a Mortal Kombat or something like that. But oh, when Tom, I think Genesis, um, I think those games. An important detail in uh, in yeah. Japan, they have the six button controller. In Europe yes. and America, it's just the three button controller. 
So if Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2 are in this, um, they'll be compromised. Like, you don't get all the buttons. That's going to be a problem. <clears throat> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. I don't get why they didn't just do the six button everywhere. Yeah, because my friend, he definitely had the <clears throat> six button controller. So Yeah. I think um, yeah. I'd be a lot more excited for this lineup if Sonic 3 were in there, which I, I know sounds silly because it's just a Sonic game, but it's been 10 years since that game's been re-released. They've, um, <clears throat> they've just avoided it for some reason. The last, the last official release of Sonic 3 was in Sonic's Ultimate Mega Drive collection for the PlayStation 3 and 360, uh, but in every other re-release, it's just been Sonic 1 and Sonic 2. So something's wrong with Sonic 3, apparently. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the issues are with them re-releasing Sonic 3, um, but to me it's my favorite in the original 2D series, and yeah. I, w- I would definitely pick up a uh, Genesis Mini in a heartbeat if it had that, and especially if it had uh, the ability to emulate Sonic and Knuckles as well. That'd be great. <clears throat> like an optional lock-on technology feature? That'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would I would absolutely love that. I remember playing the heck out of Sonic 2 with... Uh, with uh, knuckles, it was it was actually mind blowing to me that that they had made that work in such a way that there were areas you could explore in in some of those old Sonic Two levels that mm-hmm. uh, you could only reach with knuckles. Right. I don't I don't even know if that was something that was planned or if the game modified those uh, levels somehow to include additional areas. But um, yeah, it was. I would I would love to go back to those, but I'm not dusting off my Genesis to do it anytime soon. Uh-huh. It sounds like a stop and swap from Banjo Kazooie before it's time, and yet oh, it actually right. works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I do think this sounds like a very good console. Uh, we think back to like the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic; those only had um, 30 and 20 games respectively, or I guess 21 games. Um, so 40 games for this is pretty packed. And the emulations being done by M2, which are a brilliant studio for emulation. Um, so this should be a great product. I just, I just want to see Sonic Three. It's been, too, it's been way too long since that game. Uh, but yeah, that's that's everything from Sega Fest. Really, there wasn't a whole lot more in there. But um, Bethesda announced that Wolfenstein Youngblood is coming to Switch on July 26th, and that's launching day and date with the other versions. Uh, the port is being done by Panic Button, to no surprise. And, um, yeah, this was just a really cool little announcement to me, because I love Wolfenstein, uh, the New Order, and the New Colossus, and it's just great to have them day and date on the Switch. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Panic Button's work has been stellar uh, on the Switch. I mean, they're they're basically the ones responsible for every Switch port people think is impossible. Yeah. So seeing, seeing what they did with Doom and what they did with Wolfenstein... Uh, I'm really excited to see Youngblood. And like you said, John, the fact that it's coming out the same day as the other competing platforms is huge. And uh, it also fills a void in the Switch's library that I don't think a lot of people think about. We don't have any online-capable co-op shooters on the Switch right now that I can think of. You're right. Yeah, (laughs) we we really don't. Yeah, and and I reviewed... uh, Far Cry New Dawn and really the the best thing about it was being able to play it with a friend uh, so bringing an experience like that to the Switch is, is something again that is just new and I'm really excited like I said to you on Twitter I hope that you and I can get codes for this so we can tag team the review and play through the whole thing in co-op mm. uh, just because I think it's it's something that hasn't been done yet and I, I want to see how well that works. Yeah same and uh, here's the best thing, which they aren't really advertising, which I, I wish they would, because it's a huge feature. 
Um, so basically, this is sort of being seen as like a, a Wolfenstein 2.5. And because of that, uh, the price actually uh, reflects that. This is a $30 game. Um, which, if I was marketing this game, that would be like, up, up at that everywhere. But <laughs> they're not really saying oh, this yeah. very much. So this, uh, this co-op switch shooter, uh, which is mostly based on Wolfenstein 2, but with a brand new story and characters, is $30, which I think is just nuts. And yeah, they're not talking about that. Yeah, that that is crazy. I mean, you know, a lot of us are used to paying more for games on the Switch. I'd pay uh, more. I, I, honestly, yeah. I, I would pay more for this. <laughs> I'm a oh sucker. yeah, for for an I, online co-op shooter on the Switch, I'd I'd give them sixty dollars. Yeah, I'm I'm. But it it is impressive that they're showing restraint and not asking us to do that. Hmm. Yeah. So that that's basically it for Wolfenstein. It's it looks good. Um, I'm really excited for it, and it's coming very soon too. But here is some major news. Um. I've talked about this a bit with Derek, uh, but the Switch Pro and Mini revisions are apparently coming in summer 2019, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, they, these are, it sounds like they're coming at the same time, and they may be announced as soon as E3. Um, but yeah, I've spoken about this quite a bit, so uh, what do you guys think about this whole Pro and Mini premise? Like, do you, like, do you think it's actually going to happen, or, and what do you expect from them? Uh, okay, with this, I do, I'll go self-start. I guess I do expect another revision to happen, but it's kind of crazy with both coming out at the same time. I I wonder if that's going to make it... Like, they're very different markets, but it's going to make it hard to people to, to decide if they want one or the other, and they'll maybe just choose nothing. That's what I wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, too, at the same time, does this mean the current Switch model gets phased out? But... Or would they support three models at the same time? And as we know, uh, the more models you have, the more confusing it is for consumers. Right. <laughs> my um my main issue is um Labo. Like I know Labo's not a huge thing, but Labo won't work mm-hmm. without a regular switch because you need you need that screen size, you need the Joy-Con size. And let's yeah. say there's a mini. Um, could you could you do that with the current Joy-Con? Like, I imagine they'll probably have them built in. But then that means games like Super Mario Party aren't playable. It's like, Steve, like, how do you get around that? So, I mean, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I have some thoughts <laughs> about the <laughs> Switch Mini. Um, that said, I think what Nintendo is doing here is uh, taking a page out of Sony's playbook. Uh, because if you remember a few years back, well, not even a few, but uh, Sony pushed the launch model PS4 off to the side and uh, introduced a PS4 Slim alongside a PS4 Pro. And while they didn't launch day and date with each other, there was a pretty short gap between the introduction of each of those units. Um, so I, th- I think that we are going to get two models of Switch. Um, maybe not day and date with each other, but I do think within, again, a reasonably short time frame. Um, and I think it's something that's entirely manageable as long as Nintendo delivers the messaging on these systems the right way. Uh, you know, they, they want to make it very clear who their target audience is for each of these devices. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do agree that there are some oddities that don't make sense with, with kind of the widely accepted conventions for the Switch Mini. Uh, I think the general consensus among people in the industry is that, you know, you're going to remove or you're going to remove the ability to detach Joy-Con from this device, and that a lot of people think it's going to be smaller. 
Um, but I think there's ways to do that without necessarily limiting or damaging the vo value proposition. And my, my gears have been spinning on this one since the Wall Street Journal report came out. Um, and I'm starting to lean kind of more heavily towards maybe these are detachable Joy-Con, but not in the sense that we think of Joy-Con today. Because um, it's entirely possible that we could have detachable Joy-Con with no wireless, hmm. uh, with no HD rumble, with no infrared that are just physically removable. Mm -hmm. So when you take them off, they don't do anything anymore, but they enable you to use things like Labo or other accessories. Um, oh, sorry, my cell phone started, no <laughs> started interfering with my <laughs> microphone. Um, but yeah, they, they enable you to, to remove the Joy-Con from the Switch so that you can use it in a dock or in a Labo VR headset or you know with, with any of the other existing Toy-Con kits. Uh, but once they're detached, similar to like those third-party D-pad Joy-Con, they don't have wireless communication. They don't have a battery. They don't have any of the extremely expensive components that are in a traditional Joy-Con, thus continuing to keep the price down and making them compatible with the more expensive wireless Joy-Con that, that kids might want later on. Uh, so that's kind of where my thinking is at these days. I think we'll still actually have physically removable Joy-Con. They just won't be fully featured joy-con mm. interesting um, perspective steve um and they they actually in uh in, in the holiday they released a super mario party joy-con bundle and i do wonder if they can just bring that out again like if you want, if you want to play like super mario party you gotta buy this joy-con bundle or else you can't play the game exactly so you can you can easily package in games that require joy-con with with joy-con or you can you can put an icon on the box that says wireless joy-con required uh -huh. or, or something to let consumers know that, hey, if you've got this uh, less capable switch, you're going to need to buy additional accessories for this specific game to work. Um, I, so I think it's something, again, it just boils down to how Nintendo handles the messaging. Um, additionally, I don't think we're going to see a reduction in screen size on this thing. I think what you could do is shrink it down a bit by narrowing the bezels or removing them entirely. Uh, we talk a lot about a Switch Pro having the screen expanded to remove the bezels, but how about the switch unit shrinking vertically to remove bezel space on the uh, on the top and bottom of the device just to make it a little easier for those with smaller hands to hold? I'm mm. just just some thoughts. That yeah. I'm probably wrong on all of these, but just... No, it, it uh, makes sense. I mean, a, a lot of people just sort of... I think people either think that um, a pro or a handheld have to be exactly that. Like, one has to be a console, one has to be a handheld. And that doesn't have to be the case. Um... And I think Nintendo has shown us in the past that their ideas of hardware are radically different to ours. <laughs> no one saw the 2DS coming, but it happened. So um, whatever they'll do is... Who knows? <laughs> they'll do whatever they want. Um, exactly. Let's oh, move on to... If, oh, sorry, go on, go on Tom. Oh, one, I just wanted to do a quick thought. Uh, what if the Switch Mini had a different dock, and then let's say the Joy-Cons are like connected to it completely but this dock had little slidey parts for other like regular joy cons Ooh, you know tom i couldn't agree more because here's the one thing i think most people agree on about the switch dock it's terrible yeah <laughs> it, it, it's not good uh, the switch is a wonderful magical device but its dock is like this the most backwards ugly thing <laughs> in the world especially when compared to how well designed the console is um, 
And I think introducing new form factors or new SKUs is a great time for Nintendo to go back to the drawing board on the dock and say, how can we make this better? And more importantly, how can we make it cheaper? This thing's 90 bucks and it it flopped at retail hard. Uh, I don't know many people that bought an additional dock, uh, but I know a ton of people who wanted an additional dock. Mm hmm. Um, so we've, we've actually spoken at length uh, on the revision on the channel, and um, just we've got one more topic in the news segment, but um, instead of addressing it, I think we should all just uh, do a, a sigh uh, on the count of three after I read this out. So Sony are delisting Drive Club, Drive Club 3, uh, VR, and all DLC on August 31st. Online servers will be closing next year. So instead of fully discussing this, let's just all sigh on the count of three. One, two, three. <sighs> yes. <laughs> so we spent more time than I thought we would on the other one, so that's all we got for that one. Um, but yeah, now it's time for our patron questions for the week. And seeming as Steve is uh, making his debut, Steve, do you want to read yours out first? Absolutely. Uh, this topic comes from. Give me a moment. <laughs> uh, I believe you actually had two through. people ask you a very similar question. I- I did. I, I basically got the exact same question from two people, and I'm scrolling through our document here to find them because I do not want to summarize. That's cool. Um, uh, our first one comes from Jeroen7x, and I apologize if I butchered your name, but it says, Hey guys, since this is Steve's debut, how did he start at Game Explain? How did you meet everybody? And for my question for I'm going to say all of you. He says both because he (laughs) believed it was just John and I today, but we've got Tom with us. So my question for all of you, it might be soon, but could you guys rank your top five Switch games at the moment? Would love to hear what you think and keep up the good work. So um, my debut, how did I meet? Um, So I've not met everyone, first off. Um, I've met Tom, Andre, and Ash. So uh, being that John lives across the planet, (laughs) I haven't quite made the road trip there yet. And I've been in close proximity to Derek without knowing it, but Andre had him locked up in an editing room and threw the key away. So we all went out to have drinks and Derek never shut up. Happens often. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, he can't unshackle himself sometimes. (laughs) So... um, The story story is not all that interesting, but... um, Andre and I met, I want to say, five or six years ago when I snuck into a Nintendo event and was, uh, was covering Smash for Wii U. It was, one of, it was the first uh, media preview event for the game. And surprisingly, Andre and I were the only ones that showed up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Smash. so, yeah, it, it was weird. I, so, you know, given that PAX is happening right now, this was at PAX West. Uh, back when it was called PAX Prime. And I decided to make liberal use of the media hour and ran straight to the Nintendo booth and just told Kit Ellis uh, from Nintendo that I forgot where the offsite event was. I was lying. I didn't even know there was one. <laughs> and so he gave me all the details and I just confidently walked up there and said, oh yeah, uh, Kit said I'm on the list and uh, they let me in. So, so, <laughs> so it worked out great. But I met Andre there for the first time uh, we just kind of, you know, introduced ourselves, played a few rounds of Smash, and then I did not see him again for probably three years until I joined Nintendo Life. And uh, from there, it kind of became a more regular thing that I would run into Andre at shows like E3 and, and PAX and stuff like that. And eventually, Andre, I, I was telling Andre that I wanted to do video content, but uh, I didn't really have an outlet for that. And over over the ensuing months, he would just 
prod me every now and then and say, hey, why don't you do a video for Game Explain? And uh, that turned into me eventually just saying, hey, why don't I just come over to Game Explain and do do all the things I want to do there? And and he was more than more than uh, welcoming in that regard. So I'm glad to be part of the team, and and I'm really happy to be here. Nice. So your uh, your tip to get into the industry is deceive Nintendo. <laughs> and, uh... Uh, yeah, you know what? Lie where you can, be unethical, and occasionally drink way too much with people that have the ability to get you where you want to be. <laughs> it, it works every time. This is such a bad message. <laughs> yeah, this don't, is why Derek doesn't let me do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Don't emulate me, kids. <laughs> so I think there's a part two to that question of our top five Switch games. Um, yeah, that's a toughie. Uh, I'm probably going to overlap a few times here as well because I'm sure Breath of the Wild is on is, is on all of our lists, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, should we let Tom go first with this one? So I think I think Tom's yeah, list yeah, could let's be let interesting. Tom. Okay. Like I do love the Nintendo games, but almost with Switch, I play more of the indie games. So. Mm. Top five, so top four, because Breath of the Wild gets one spot. <laughs> I'll go Just Shapes and Beats, Bomb Chicken, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Best indie and game. And <laughs> I'll go uh, Smash Brothers. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a good list. Um, it's tough. My, my list, I, I don't want to get too port-heavy, but... Uh, there, there's so many great ports on the Switch, though, is the thing. It's like the best place to play those games. So, yeah, Breath of the Wild, Tropical Freeze. Um, I can't say Resident Evil 4 yet because it's not been released yet, but it will, it will be on there. Um, I guess Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, what else? Um, Mario Odyssey, of course. And uh, hmm, the fifth one. Huh, that's tough. You know what? I'll say Smash as well. Yeah. Interesting. Smash is not going to be on my list. Oh, nice. So okay. I think I might be the only member of Game Explain who doesn't put Smash in their top five. <laughs> um, but Mario Odyssey is definitely on my <laughs> list. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Celeste. Celeste. Celeste is in there. Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. All right. So maybe I'm the second member of Game Explain that doesn't put Smash in their top five. Um, yeah, I would definitely add Mario Odyssey. We all know Breath of the Wild is in there, so we're just ignoring that. Mm-hmm. Um Final Fantasy Seven. Right, I'm not gonna choice. lie. I, I'm I'm playing it so much, and I know I'm not gonna put it down until it's done. Um, this is gonna sound weird. Disgaea Five. Oh, Disgaea Five is on my list. It, I have still choice. to this day played it more than any other Switch game, including Breath of the Wild. Oh wow! How many by hours a factor of about yet? four? Um, I'm about eight hundred ninety-five. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Disgaea Five, and I'm not done so i i that's my go-to game when i don't have another game to play um just because the end game if you've never played a disgaea game you beat the story and then the game really starts and the end game you can level each character up to 9999 and then basically prestige them back to level one you can you reincarnate them to level one and then go through it again um and there's New Game Plus, there's DLC, there's tons of episodes, all of which is free. So, yeah, it's it's wow. it's a huge game. But either way, I've got two more slots. <laughs> or one more slot? I think one more. So you said Breath of yeah. the Wild, Disgaea, uh, Final Fantasy VII. Um, what was the other one? Was, that, was there another one? I think, uh, I think that might have been it. Oh, I think yeah. I do have two more. Okay, two more. Um, let's see. Wait, did you say Mario you know, Odyssey funny. or not? Oh, I did say Mario oh, so Odyssey. So one more. 
Yeah. One more. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Splatoon 2. Oh, good choice. Oh. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's a, again, it's like an easy pick up and play game. It's perfectly suited for the Switch. And I don't, I, I think I get more competitive with Splatoon than with any other game I play. I think I do too. It, it's very fast and frantic. Um, and uh, unlike, like, it's not it's not just about getting kills like most shooters are as well. Um, there's a lot of strategy to it. Like every every single time you move <clears throat> and shoot, it, it, they kind of work in tandem with each other. Um, it, it's a game I don't often play like for long stretches, but when I come back to it, I remember how much I love it. Exactly, and for me anyway, unlike Smash, I never feel like I'm just completely outclassed in Splatoon. Uh -huh. Like I I log into Smash, and there are days where I just know I shouldn't have ever picked up the controller. <laughs> Um, uh -huh. With Splatoon, I always, even if I'm losing, I, I try to go through like five, six, seven matches. With Smash, I can, depending on how depressing that first match is, I might just close the game out then. Um, honorable mention, though, to Tetris 99. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm surprised it didn't make your list, John, but I think... Me too, you know. I, Disappointed. It, it's just such an incredible game that I think it, I think it's one of the best on the Switch, even if it's not on any of our lists. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a list at the moment, at the current moment. So maybe True. at different moments in time, that would have been on the list. Yeah. True. We, we should start checking back on this like an annual. I'd love that. Uh, like an annual list. <laughs> a daily list. Daily. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, yeah, you're right, though. When you do this stuff on a whim, I think you forget just how many great games there are. Like Tetris 99 probably is on my list. Um, but I just it, it just didn't come to my mind immediately. But yeah, for sure. Right, right. You know, even knowing that this question was going to be asked, it's like, how do you pick just five out of such a huge library? Right. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, Tom, what's your question for the week? Okay, my question is from, and apologies again for probably butchering this name, uh, Nazgaroth. <laughs> uh, he might, that sounds like a, a vampire nickname, but... Uh, <laughs> It's probably his real name now, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> But uh, he says, I have to say, I love how this Andre is stuck in a Wii U gamepad bit keeps coming back. So, maybe question. Uh, okay, maybe answer. What bits of internal Game Explained mythology are your favorites, and how did they get started? Like, for example, the analysis machine. Maybe it's not the best question with this week's lineup. No, I think it's a fantastic question. So thank you. <laughs> um, so Andre stuck in the Wii U gamepad. That started from Andre's idea for making the Mario Maker analysis a bit more special and having an intro and kind of ending to it. And people have just kind of run with it a bit. Uh, other than that, I one that I was in before was uh, just me being in a dungeon and uh, making art for Game Explain. I appreciate that one. Um, the analysis machine, though, I love how people say that there'll be, let's say, I don't know, 10 seconds of footage and then there'll be a, you know, a 10-hour analysis or something like that. Uh, that really kind of sticks to the branding of Game Explain and the heart of it. So I love seeing those comments. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you guys? Um, one of my favorite ones is something that Ash made up on a whim on Twitter. So, uh, um, we're, we're guessing we'll up in about Game Explained lore. And uh, Ash just re replied with um, just this weird Kingdom Hearts parody of himself. So, apparently Ash has a dark counterpart. Uh, he's, he's in the Keyblade War. Uh, I, I can't remember the details, but Ash has a dark past, apparently. And, uh, and an alter ego. 
and apparently we're all, all Ash in some respect. So that's that's my favourite one, even if I can't remember it. But yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's fun to do all these little bits though, because um, the game the game is the Andre stuck in a, in, a, in a Wii U gamepad thing actually came up in um, in Nintendo's uh, Super Smash Brothers chat because Andre just showed up to talk to people in there, and uh, one person asked like Andre, are you, are you still stuck in a Wii U gamepad? And it's amazing that even like off our channel, people are aware of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I love Game Explain Lore. We need no, we need like more of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'd have to say my favorite one, and I hate to pat myself on the back, but is uh, when I turned you into a dog. I'm still a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still a dog. Um, and that that was born from uh, the fact that um, I ended up reviewing Wargroove for the Switch uh, because Derek was busy, and he's our tactical RPG expert. Uh, so I ended up taking it on because he was busy with Kingdom Hearts 3 at the time. And uh, I was trying to think, like, how can I make a review that is distinct from something Derek would do and doesn't underline the fact that I don't know as much about these games as Derek? And uh, one thing he told me was that he wasn't so good with the content creation side of Wargroove's uh, toolkit. So the first thing I did when I got the review was make this little skit about how bad my review was going to be <laughs> and I was running out of characters to use that it looked unique so I put a dog where John should be and uh, then I decided to make it self-referential <laughs> and make everybody so talk about how John's a dog <laughs> and I mean it just kind of became this this way bigger thing than I thought it would be our, our review actually uh, did more views than IGN's because John's a dog <laughs> so, so like a review that I thought would maybe get a couple thousand views got well over a hundred thousand. Wow! And uh, it's still referenced all the time on Twitter. Like by by people will randomly call John a good boy, or um, for his birthday, I, I posted a picture of Caesar from Wargroove. Uh, so yeah, that's that's got to be my favorite thing. But they all just—I love the fact that they come out of these weird, odd circumstances. And we're never intending to make lore, and then it becomes <laughs> such because the fans. Uh, the, f the fans run with it so yeah. yeah it's it's great i love it when fans do stuff like that um and uh i also like just sort of keeping them like relative as well like in uh in the first game explained face to face i did like a little pro um, post credit sequence where um i just basically there's like the game the wii u gamepads on low battery and i just unplug it like i didn't there's no <laughs> reference to andre in there but you know i'm killing him <laughs> you know i'm <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my question for this week is from Leveled Up GN, who says, after seeing the very disappointing state of play, do you think Sony will reconsider their plans for E3? Or do you think they'll, con they'll continue to do their Nintendo Direct knockoffs and attempt to do them better as they go on? So um, I didn't actually include state of play in our weekly news updates, mostly because I think it was very irrelevant. Um, not much really happened. It was, it was fine. Um, it, the presentation was good. But they, uh, the actual games themselves were just PlayStation VR games, which, you know, that's, that's not bad in and of itself, but they didn't advertise it as that. I think that's the problem. People went into it expecting a Sony Direct, and what they got was uh, something that was not very good. So, um, I think the actual presentations themselves are fine. They just need better content in them. But I do think that this is basically their format. Um, I think they've missed out on E3 because they're probably doing a state of play much like this, but with uh, E3-level content. So, yeah, my, my personal belief is uh, this style is fine for them, but they just need to have better stuff in there. 
Um, but I don't know if starting this way with a la lackluster debut is good for future-proofing it, though. I, I don't know if they'll stick with this. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about State of Play? Like, did, did you guys watch it? No, I, I did not watch it just yet. Uh, Steve, did you watch it? I did, and I, uh, it was a bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I felt like it was almost... Uh, it, it's very clearly uh, derived from the Nintendo Direct format, but it's just missing personality. I mean, and that's weird to say, like a corporation is missing personality. That's their whole thing. Um, but Nintendo Directs kind of feel a bit more... Like, as, as a viewer, I feel a bit more connected to uh, the content in the Nintendo Directs than I, than I did to this state of play thing. Um, it, I, would, I would almost expect to see a video like State of Play playing on the TVs in a GameStop. Whereas, you know, it, it just felt like one continuous advertisement for stuff, which, yes, is, is at its core what a Nintendo Direct is as well. But uh, I didn't see, you know, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I'll admit I was kind of halfway into this when I was watching it. I was more listening than viewing mm -hmm. uh, because nothing really caught my interest. But uh, I don't remember seeing, like, actual people on the screen at any point during the state of play. I think it was just a narrator and some trailers. You're right. Yeah, and Steve, that comparison to GameStop was so accurate. Like, it feels like something that is, it feels like an advertisement, right? Whereas the directs are like these. Of course, they're advertising their products, but they they feel like something you want to watch. They feel like um, an event almost. And yeah, you're right. right. Like, we we have um, Nintendo personalities who talk to us, and all corporations are corporations just trying to sell you something at the end of the day. But um, you kind of connect to these Nintendo figures, though. And, uh, yeah, it, it is important to start each Direct with um, a key Nintendo figure. Otherwise, it does just feel like a commercial. Exactly. And there's this sense of uh, when, when Nintendo does these Directs and they have something, you can tell the difference between, like, your average title and, and a real marquee game. Uh, Nintendo does a really great job of building up the suspense before they reveal, like, a Zelda game or or something big that they really want to get your attention on and Sony doesn't seem to have quite found that type of rhythm yet and, and granted nothing in there was was a big game uh, but they didn't do a good job of making you feel like you really need to pay attention to what they're showing you I feel like there was one big game or at least it should have been a big game um, and that's Iron Man VR the the concept of Iron Man in VR I think is a stellar concept but the um, it just didn't look that great is <laughs> the only thing I think they could have had a better trailer, but um, what they showed was basically you are in like a helicopter or something, and then you jump out, and then you're flying through the air, and you see Iron Man's hand, um, and you're shooting things. To me, that doesn't. I think they should have shown Iron Man. Like, it, it it just doesn't really. It just it doesn't look like much at all. Like, it just looks like you're you're just some guy, and it doesn't it doesn't make you feel like Iron Man is the thing. Um, so I think that should have been big. It should have been like a Spider Man level big, but it didn't feel big. It felt small. Yeah, it, it felt like a prototype demonstration, too. Like right. The graphics weren't particularly interesting to look at. It, it looked like almost when somebody develops a fake video game for a movie. Like uh. You can tell it's not a real thing and, and not a lot of effort was put into it. But um, also as someone who has played a ton of VR, the concept of playing an Iron Man game in VR sounds interesting until I think about locomotion and how Iron Man moves. Um, PSVR is a seated VR solution. 
So I feel like there's already some immersion breaking happening there because I'm not going to feel like I'm flying around as Iron Man if I can feel a couch underneath me. Uh Well, Um, hold on, hold on. You're going to be Tony Stark in the lab, and it's like, hey, Jarvis, (laughs) fly around my suit. And I'll just kind of look in the screen for these VR goggles and uh, help you out. You know, you know, <laughs> the best pitch. I, <laughs> you know, Tom, unfortunately, I'm about 80% sure you just cracked the entire narrative of that game. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they do it. Oh, that's what, that's what like, Batman VR should have been. Like, instead of playing as Batman, you're just, you're just Alfred. <laughs> just back at, the, back at HQ just saying, like, oh, Batman, you gotta go and get the, the penguin. <laughs> And, and you got to do dusting every two minutes, otherwise the dust in the mansion accumulates too much. Batman's <laughs> coming like, home. Make a sandwich. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I think that's, those are our questions for this week. But we also have a game as well. Um, this game idea comes from ToonJ723, who says, I have a fun game. We'll judge that. <laughs> Guess how many levels are in each Mario game? I put it in a Google Doc so that you two... Um, it's, there's three of us. So oh, sorry if there's only two of you like last time both of you can play <clears throat> so I'll host this game and you guys basically just have to guess the answers so in this oh boy. we have the levels of a bunch of Mario games and you have to guess which one has which amount of levels so let's just start with an easy one the original Super Mario Brothers how many levels are in that game are we talking about worlds or stages? We are talking about levels in total. So one, 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 two, one, three, one, four, two, one, and so on. Okay, gotcha. Uh, <coughs> should be what thirty-two. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna wonder here if a warp zone counts as a level. I don't think it does. Oh, no wait. Yeah, they're at the end. Yeah, so <coughs> I just say thirty-two as well. You are both correct. It is thirty-two, so you both get a point for that. But this one's a bit harder. Super Mario Brothers, the Lost Levels. Ooh. Man, I don't even know. I couldn't even get past 2-1. In- yes. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, so I'm going to say 32. I, was gonna, I thought Steve was going to say, there's seven. I've only seen seven levels. I'm going to yeah. say... I'm going to go 35. This, uh, this is a deceptive one. There's 52 levels, apparently. Uh, wow. What? So I guess Tom gets the point for that, for just going a bit higher. Yeah, but I had no like idea. Get to world eight, and there's actually just thirty levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What about Super Mario Brothers Two USA? So Doki Doki Panic. Okay, that's. Um... <clears throat> Seventeen. I'm gonna say twenty. Ooh, spot on, Steve. It is twenty. So yeah. Steve is equalizing two two. Wow, that's a great guess. Um, this one's tough, though. Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, um... Wow, that is a ton. Yeah, um, it's a tough one. I'm gonna go 64. Okay. That would be a smart thing. We can only have the uh, power of two for the amount of levels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, eight worlds. Tom's Not doing some maths. had more than eight levels though I'll go 52 the answer is a whopping 88 so Steve gets that point (laughs) I just played the whole like on Christmas I just played after world 8-2 from the very beginning too so ah 
Uh-huh. I just went with the highest <clears throat> and the wor- the highest world and the highest stage number I remembered and multiplied them. Nice, <laughs> smart. So I think Steve is in the lead by one point now, I believe. Unless I've lost yes. count. Cool. Yes. <clears throat> okay, this one uh, shouldn't be so hard. Super Mario Land. Oh god, I've literally <laughs> never played Super it's Mario Land. It's a short game. It's a short game. So the number's quite low. I'll say 22. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with 16. Steve's right there. T- it's it's 12. <laughs> this is a this is a tiny game. Wow. Right. So uh, Tom, you gotta try and get back now. He's two points in the lead. Super Mario World. I'll give you a clue. It's less than three. Not 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 three oh. levels. Less than Super Mario Brothers three. <laughs> oh okay. So smaller than 88. I'll go no, I- 75. I'll narrow the window and stick with my Mario 3 guess of 64. 73, which means Tom Ooh. is one point back in the game, so you've got to get one more point to equalize, Tom. Super Mario Land 2. Uh, 30. Uh, Super Mario Land 2, I'll go 24. 33. Oh, oh sorry, Tom. Oh. <laughs> Got, you still That's got a couple more, story. a few more opportunities, Tom. <laughs> you got a few more questions. Yoshi's Island. Oh, jeez. I'm I'm realizing how few Mario games I've played. Um, <laughs> Yoshi's Steve. Island. I'm gonna say 28. All right. I'm going with. I'm gonna go. 24 again. I feel like there's less levels in this game due to the uh, more emphasis on art. I wish there were, Tom, but <laughs> <laughs> there's actually 54 levels in Yoshi's Jeez. Islands. Wow. Between Fine. Tom and I, we almost guessed the number if you added yeah. them together. Yeah. Uh, you've got a couple more chances, Tom. You're not out of the game just yet. Um, new Super Mario Brothers DS. Ooh. I think there were eight worlds, and was there a, a special world at the end? I think there was. I think so. I'm going to go with 54. Okay. It's an. It says new in the title, but it isn't fresh in my mind. <laughs> but Tom, this was like over 10 years ago now. I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's new. Old new Super Mario. Old new, Super yeah. This that'll be the next sequel, or the new new line is coming out. I think it was 15 oh. years ago at this point. I, Jesus. That explains things. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the 64 answer that Oops. worked for Steve earlier. Can you repeat your answer, Steve? I have forgotten it. He said 54, I believe. Yeah, uh, I said 54. There is a whopping 80 levels in New Super Mario Brothers. Wow. So Tom, you're you're, you're getting a little speed boost here. You could catch up. Um, yeah. Uh, this one's tough. Super Mario Galaxy. How, uh, I'm not sure if this is counted by stars or by galaxies, but there is a number here. So, uh, a number. It's here. a number of planets. Uh. <laughs> I would assume... No, it can't be stars. No, it's, yeah, it's got to be planets. I was about to say, if, if it's in the hundreds, it's stars. Yeah, it can't be stars. <laughs> uh, planets. Keep in mind, um, I, th- I think Galaxy only had uh, a couple of stars. It wasn't like 64 where there were six stars per, per level. Um, it was like two or three or something like that. So the number of stars. In the, the, not, 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 not number of stars, just galaxies. Oh. 
Darn. So it's not Darn. 120. <laughs> or 240. Or would it be 240 in that yeah. case because of the green ones? If if we're counting galaxies... I think it's just galaxies. Going to, or by galaxies, we mean planets, right? Right. Like planets? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there's two per... Or two or three per... I think Individual objectives, I'm going to say 48. Okay. Oh, yeah, there's so many little planets, too. Like, there weren't a ton of levels in Galaxy, but they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if you include little ones, yeah, I'm going to go 24, half of what Steve said. And see oh, how many Tom. little ones there were. Tom, it was forty-three. Forty-three. Oh, oh that's good guess. To be fair, I don't, I don't fully understand the math behind this one. This could be, it could go either way, really. I don't, I don't yeah. yeah. I feel, I it's feel like bad. Are we, are we including Pluto as a planet here or a moon? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Galaxy Two is also on here. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip Galaxy Two. Um, what new Super Mario Brothers Wii? That's not a game. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna significantly up my guess on this one and say 96. Oof. Yeah, is this like with the Luigi content? That no, was this is Wii. It's not Wii. Yeah, Wii. Wii U. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. I feel like this is 80. 87. Uh, Steve said, was it 90? I said 96. 96. So Tom's closer. Yeah, nice one, Tom. Uh, we've got two more questions. Um, I, I think Tom might be out of it. I, I've lost count at this point. He's either equalizing or he's out of it. Um, we do have bonus ones, though, so we can decide. Is Tom out of it or is he equalizing with two more? Let's let's say equalizing. Okay, so with these Keep two, Tom, if you yeah. if you get either of these wrong, you are out of the game, Tom. But now, it, what if I get it exactly right? Does that count as two points? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll, yeah, we'll go double. <laughs> yeah, we'll double it up. All right, Mario 3D Land, and uh, keep in mind, 3D Land had uh, two. I, when you finished the game, there was a um, a, a second version of every level, and I think these are included in here. I'm going to say 125. Steve's going big. Yep. I'm going 96. Tom, it's 96. Whoa. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay, so whoever gets this one right is the winner then. Um, Let's see. Down to the wire. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, this one. um, I've actually skipped a few ones here. I love this question, though. How many levels are in Super Mario Maker as of May 17th, 2016? <laughs> what? <laughs> the finale. It's big. Don't, don't go small. Don't say 90. Like, <laughs> this is a big one. 1,125,863. Very specific, Steve. I, I like specificity. What about you, Tom? Okay. I'm going to say... One million You both went whoppingly low. There are 7.2 million levels in this game. <laughs> wow. So which of you got that one right? Uh, that was Tom. He was closer. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a, a fully deserved victory. We gave Tom a few uh, handicap points there. But... Yeah, I think Steve had a lot more <laughs> correct answers. Let's let's call it a draw. Alright, everyone's a winner. 
Okay. Everybody so, wins. <laughs> so that was uh, episode 139 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. You can get uh, this early if you uh, join us on Patreon for $1 a month. And um, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, where we tweet and, and post things. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we're also on YouTube at Game Explain. Thanks so much for watching, everyone, and hopefully we'll see you guys next time. Bye.